Good morning, church family. Welcome to this live stream, and good morning to you as well who are joining us this morning. Um, I pray that uh, this will be a blessing to you as you hear. Um, it's it's a second week of, of of the lockdown. We miss gathering together as the church. Uh, we long to be together again, but we are faithful. We are we are hopeful that um, God is sovereign and he knows what he's doing and we also trust that christ is continuing to build this church um, what a time it is to 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 be alive um, especially um, now knowing that we have this opportunity to to hear the word even um, when we are uh, comfortably in our own homes as we practice this social distancing um, I just wanted to take a few minutes with you and um, go through a, a sermon. Um, what we're going to do today is not so much of an expositional sermon, but will be a topical sermon. I want us to take time to think about heaven. If you're writing notes, um, if you're taking notes this morning, um, just the title will be Thinking About Heaven. And let us take this time and pray and commit this time to the Lord in prayer and uh, ask the Lord to be with us as we draw near to him. Our dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for an opportunity to hear from your word. Lord, we understand and know that you speak clearly in your word and all we want to hear is not our ideas, not our pontifications, not our opinions, but your word that stands, your word that is always true, the word that is trustworthy and faithful. We want to hear you teach us, O oh Lord. We want to hear you correct us, rebuke us, train us in righteousness, that we may be equipped, ready for every good work, that we may stand strong and stand courageous, stand confident in your word. Help us, O oh Lord, shape us, sharpen us, skill us and thrill us in your word. May you be praised and glorified this morning as we dive into your word. Give me clarity of speech and clarity of thought that you may be praised and the glory may come to you. In Jesus' present name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, one of my fondest childhood memories is the music that I used to listen to. Funny as it might sound for a millennial to admit, I enjoyed and I still enjoy country music. Well, one of the songs that I used to listen to over and over and over again, a song that I couldn't get enough of, was a um, The name of the song is This World Is Not... This is what the first part of the song says. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. In the simplest fashion, 
this song captures the deep longings of the believer. In a small way, it helps us understand the place of difficulty and hardship in the life of the believer. It helps us understand that the place, of, the, the, the place of difficulty and the purpose of difficulty in our lives comes to remind us that this world is not our home, that we are just passing through and our home is with the Father in heaven. When you look at the testimony of scripture, you see how believers are to long to be with God in heaven. We see Paul imprisoned in Rome writing to the Philippians had pressed between the thought of remaining in the world or being with Christ in glory. And he says in Philippians chapter 1 verse 23, my desire is to depart and be with Christ for that is far better. In Hebrews chapter 11, the chapter about the heroes of faith, the, 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 the writer makes an editorial note about Abraham in verse 10 saying about Abraham, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. And in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 11, Peter reminds the believers he is writing to that in this world, they are sojourners and exiles meaning that the world is not their home and, and they are to look forward to a permanent city where they are residents. It is clear in scripture that the believer's hope is not to be found in this world. And this is not our home. It, it has nothing of value to offer us. Uh, that is why Jesus exhorts his disciples to, to lay up, to not to lay up treasures for themselves where decay, where, where they can decay and where they can be stolen. But rather, he says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Unfortunately, people who, who should be longing for heaven. People who should be desiring heaven are people who are too preoccupied with the world and its pleasures. Many are so intoxicated by the prosperity gospel drug that all that matters is amassing as much as they possibly can that the idea of heaven becomes an unwelcome inconvenience. You see, materialism and, and worldly pleasures have numbed and incapacitated the desire to be with Christ in heaven. But on the other hand, the, the Bible shows us that we are to meditate, we are to think about, we are to remind ourselves and encourage ourselves with the truth about heaven. And in that vein, I, I want to spend time with you looking at three encouraging realities about heaven. Of course, these are not meant to be exhaustive, but merely to, to whet our appetite and, and to awaken us to this glorious reality. First of all, I want to look at uh, this reality as, in a simple way. Heaven is real. Heaven is real. The first reality about heaven is that heaven is real. I, I think this is the first thing we need to establish and acknowledge, that the fact that heaven is real. Heaven is not a figment of, of the imagination. It is not a hallucination or pie in the sky, as, as Karl Marx slenderously says about Christianity. On the contrary, heaven is real. 
It, it, it is a reality which the Christian desires and longs for. We, we see this fact uh, most clearly with the ascension of Jesus Christ to heaven. In Acts chapter 1, verse 9, after his final address to the disciples, promising them of the Holy Spirit, who will empower them to, to, to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and the rest of the uh, Samaria and the rest of the world, um, the Bible says, and, he, uh, 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 and when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And as they are gazing, looking at him, as he, 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 he is lifted up, a cloud is taking him into heaven, uh, two angels appear. And in verse 11, they say to the disciples, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking in, into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. From, the, from these verses, there's a clear indication that heaven is a real place. Jesus was taken into heaven. They, they saw him go into heaven. Uh, again, the Bible shows us with the stoning of, of Stephen in, in Acts chapter 7. The, the Bible tells us in verse 55 and 56 that as the Jews were filled with rage from, from the preaching of Stephen and, and they were violently charging towards him to do him harm, uh, Luke records this, he says, but he, talking about Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. When Graham comments on this verse um, and says that Stephen did not see mere symbols of a state of existence, it seems rather that his eyes were opened to see a spiritual dimension of reality which God has hidden from us in this present age. A dimension which nonetheless really does exist in our space-time universe and which and within which Jesus now lives in his physical resurrection body, waiting even now for the time when he will return to the earth. See, heaven is a real place that we are looking forward to. We will, we will not be floating around uh, with harps all dressed up and nowhere to go. But we will be in the presence of the Father experiencing unspeakable joy. Heaven is the Father of his throne and the believer's home. In John chapter 14, verse 1 to 3, Jesus uses the word place two times in reference to heaven, saying, I go to a place, I, I go to prepare a place for you. In other words, it, it is a place as much as Rustenburg, as much as, as Pretoria, as much as Mudimole, as much as other places. Um, it, 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 it is a real place. Though we do not see it now, it is real. But not only is heaven real, the, the, the second reality I want to submit to you is, is that in heaven, suffering will be no more. Suffering will be no more. 
We, we live in a world where we are daily confronted with the reality of suffering. We, we hear daily about floods, volcanoes, tsunamis, and storms that destroy whole communities and claim a lot of lives. We, we feel it most intimately and closely with our bodies that grow frail and weak, our bodies that are daily threatened by disease, by viruses, by death. Old age also plays its role of reminding us of our weakness and frailty. And what about sin? We are constantly at war with this enemy that seems to cling so tightly to us. Most times it feels like we are on a losing battle more than we win against this foe. It seems in this life our cry is that of the Apostle Paul, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death in Romans chapter 7, 24. The heart in the midst of the suffering inquires longingly, is there hope? Is there hope? Yes, there is hope. You see, the Bible is replete with many encouragements for those who are going through suffering and pain. To the Romans, Paul reminds them of the glory ahead that is far greater and cannot be compared to the sufferings that we experience. In Romans chapter 8, verse 18, Paul says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Paul is writing to people that are experiencing great trial and difficulty here. That, that, that though they are currently experiencing such, the grace to endure under such suffering is the knowledge of what is to come. Uh, you see, although we, 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 we don't really know what it would look like, we, we, we do know that it will be so great that by comparison, the present suffering will be considered insignificant. It will be so great that we won't worry when we get to heaven about the present suffering. We won't complain about the sufferings that we experience. We won't complain about the pains that we went through because the glory that the Lord will reveal when the Lord comes to take his church, we will be experiencing great joy and great glory in his presence. Again in Revelation 21, the Apostle John sees a vision of future events. And in this chapter, he sees the renewal of all things. He sees a new heaven and a new earth, a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven and making its dwelling on the earth. It comes down like a bride adorned for her groom. It comes down and God makes his dwelling with us. Look at verse 3 to 5 of Revelation 21. This is what it says, John seeing this vision says, I, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will, will, be, will be with them as they are God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, no crying, no 
pain anymore for the former things have passed away and he who was seated on the throne said behold i am making all things new also he said write this down for these words are trustworthy and true what what a joy it is to to hear this promise what a joy it is to know how things are going to end that when we come into the presence of the father we will we, we will have this consolation that he will be he will make his dwelling with us where he will take away all our miseries where death will be no more no no more tears no more pain no more suffering no more pain no no, no more poverty all these things they are no more they will pass away what a joy indeed to to hear that when we will be in the presence of the father we will not experience all the things of this this fallen world we will not experience temptation to sin what a glorious truth it is indeed it is it is it is uh, joyous you know it makes the heart joyous it makes you rejoice and and want to sing out loud when you think about the realities of of being in the presence of the father we will not have to struggle with temptation we will not have to struggle with sin we will not have to experience pain we will not have to experience uh, 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 poverty we will not have to experience things that that break our hearts and, and brothers and sisters, believers, you, 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 you can bank on this because of the one who speaks. You see, the one who speaks is the one who is trustworthy. And, and, and because he is trustworthy, his words are also trustworthy. He will do what he says he will do. He will fulfill the promises that he makes. And we can bank on that. We can rejoice because he who promises is trustworthy. He is true and he is faithful. He will definitely do what he says he will do. So heaven is real. And and in heaven, there will be no suffering. Thirdly, what I want to bring before you is this reality that heaven is a place of those who are saved. Heaven is a place of those who are saved. Yes, heaven is real. Yes, there will be no suffering in heaven. But make no mistake, heaven is only for those who have been saved. Heaven is the home of the redeemed. We, we don't enter heaven because we are churchgoers or, or give a portion of our money or, or read our Bibles every day. We, we enter heaven not because of those things. I've been to to many funerals of of people who had a, who had no saving knowledge of Jesus Christ when they were alive, and you hear testimonies about how uh, that are being told about the deceased, about how they were a good person, how they never fought with anyone, and how they were always kind. Which most of the time, if you think about it, it is not true. Then you hear someone saying, uh, someone, maybe an MC or even the pastor, uh, unfortunately, uh, they say, this person is in a better place. They are in a better place. Friends, a better place is heaven. 
And no one enters heaven without a saving relationship with God. No one truly rests in peace if they did not know the Lord. You see, we cannot say about an unbeliever who refused the Lord, who, 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 who did not trust the Lord with his life, we, we, we cannot truly say and truly mean rest in peace. There is no such thing as resting in peace when you are outside of Christ. Listen to what Matthew chapter 7, 21 to 23 says. This is Jesus speaking. This is Jesus speaking. These are the words of Jesus. He says in, in Matthew 7, 21 to 23, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. There are some who will come, uh, false believers who, who come in the presence of the of, of, of the Lord and and and, and ask for, for an entrance into His presence and 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 He will look at them and say, "I never knew you. Not I knew you at some point, and then I stopped knowing you. But I never knew you." These are people that you can see in this passage where where, where probably church attenders and where. where were even involved in the church, but they had no saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It is only those who do the will of God. These are the ones who are truly born again, who have the Holy Spirit who indwells them, who have repented of their sin and are working with God. If it is not clear enough, Listen to the testimony of Revelation, uh, the testimony of John in Revelation 21, verse 8. It, it is in that context where a new Jerusalem is coming down from heaven into a new earth and, and God is making his dwelling with his children. And in contrast with what is happening with the children of God, this is what we hear in verse 8. But as, as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with, fi with fire and sulfur. This is the second death. And again, we see this in chapter 22, verse 14 and 15 uh, of Revelation. This is what we read. If verse 14 says, Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they, they may have the right to the tree of, of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Verse 15, outside, outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who practices and loves falsehood. You see, there's a clear separation of those who are saved and those who are not saved. Those who are saved go into eternal bliss, not because of what they have done, not because of their merit, but because they have trusted and believed in Christ. 
and those who are not saved go into eternal misery because they refuse to believe in Christ. You might be listening and asking yourself, how then does one enter heaven? Jesus answers this very question in John chapter 14, verse 6, after telling his disciples that he's going to prepare a place for them in heaven, that in his father's house are many mansions, there are many rooms there. He is reminding them again as he, he tells them this, that they know the way where he is going. But Thomas, like you and I, um, would ask this question. He asks this question. He says, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And this is the reply of Jesus Christ in John chapter 14, verse 6. In response, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one goes to the Father except by me. Friends, if this is the answer. This is the only answer that Jesus gives. It is through Christ alone. And, and, and to, to make it clear, it is only through Christ alone. Not through being born in a Christian family. Not by church attendance. Not by giving money to the church. It is only by Christ and through Christ Salvation does not come by our own works. It does not come by our own exertion. It does not come by our own will, but it comes from Christ alone. It is a gift from Christ. It is not a reward to us as if we worked for it. It is something that is a gift, something that we do not deserve. Salvation is the gift of God through Christ. You see, by recognizing Jesus Christ, that Jesus lived a perfect life of obedience, a life you could not live, a life I could not live, that he died the death that you and I deserved, the death that we deserved on the cross for sin, that he was buried and that he rose again from the dead on the third day. It is by believing that Jesus Christ is a sufficient Savior who can save you from your sins and, and God's wrath and give you a new life that you can be born again. There's no other way of being born again except by uh, repenting of your sins and trusting in Jesus Christ turning away from a life of lawlessness, a, a life of disbelief, a, a life of faithlessness, a life of sin, and trusting wholeheartedly, trusting Jesus Christ. There is no way, friends, that salvation can be received outside of Christ. It is not by trusting in things. It is not trusting in people. It is not trusting a certain uh, um, church. It is about Christ. It is only by Christ. It is only through Christ. It is only because of Christ. It should be noted, brothers and sisters as well, that we do not receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior so that we can go to heaven. We receive him as Lord and Savior because he is our only hope. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He, he is the one who, who reconciles us with the Father. He is 
the one who gives us a new identity. We, 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 we become, we, 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 we stop being children of wrath to being children of God. He, he is the only one who is worthy and glorious. He is our only hope in life and death. Heaven is a consequence of receiving him as Lord. It is not the goal. We receive him as Lord because he is glorious. You see, brothers and sisters, if, if, if Christ was to say, I am, I am not, not in heaven anymore, I'm, 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 I'm with you, and, and heaven is vacant, heaven will not be glorious anymore. You see, heaven, uh, the, the glory of heaven is not the streets of gold. The, the glory of heaven is not its brilliance and beauty. The glory of heaven is because Christ is there. And we are to, to love him. We are to give our lives to him. We are to see him as he is, as the worthy one of God. Uh, these realities... As I conclude, this reality is about heaven that I've mentioned, that, that heaven is a real place, that there will be no suffering there, that there is, there is only, that it is only for those who are saved. The question is, how are we to live in light of these realities as Christians? How are we to live our lives in light of these realities? Let, let me just offer you three uh, things that that are to, to we, we are to live um, by as 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 we we think about these realities. First of all, as we think about the realities of heaven, we endure hardship with hope for a better reality for those who know Christ. Uh, secondly, we, we we become passionate about making Christ known to those who do not know Him. We, 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 we want people to experience the joy of being in Christ, to, to experience the freedom of being in Christ. As, as Augustine says in his, in, in his confessions, in the, in the first chapter of his confession, and he says, we are restless until we find our rest in him. We are restless until we find our rest in Christ. And this is the passion that we have. We want people to come to experiencing, to experience this true rest. We don't want a synthetic rest where uh, we, we, we say in, in, in people's funerals, people who are not even saved, where we say rest in peace, when we, won't, when we know deep in our hearts that they are not truly resting in peace. We want to go out there and make disciples. We want to go out there and, and share the gospel with people. Tell people about Christ who came, who, who, who came and gave his life, who lived a perfect life of obedience before the Father, who, 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 who gave his life on the cross, not because he deserved to die, but because we deserve today, but he took it upon himself, who, who was buried and, 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 and who, 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 who resurrected from the dead on the third day. We want to tell them about Christ, who is the lamp of God who takes away the sins of the world. We want to tell them about Christ who is the one who is our peace, who has our true peace and who is our rest. We want to tell them about this Jesus Christ. Thirdly and lastly, we want to, as we live in light of these realities, 
we become encouraged to live a life of holiness in the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a portion in 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 First John, First John, chapter three, as uh, John is celebrating and and talking about the fact that God has made us His children, and, and this is what He says. He says, "See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God, and so we are." The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. You see, when we think about heaven, we are encouraged to live a pure life, a life of holiness. I hope this becomes an encouragement to you as you are seated in your homes, as that this will be uh, something to, 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 to meditate upon and to think about as, as you experience difficulty and hardship, that knowing that we have this hope, that this world is not our home, and God is not ashamed to be called our God because he has prepared a home for us, that we will long and desire to be with him in our home. Amen. God bless you.